This program is brought to you by the Assembly of Geeks, geek content for a geeky world. Visit us at assemblyofgeeks.com. Attack of the Clones kicks it into high gear with the downfall of the Jedi Order, while also setting up the events that lead to the Clone Wars. Romance, deception, outlaws, death sticks, and stolen Shura, this film has it all. Take some time to pick out your favorite speeder and enjoy this episode all about Attack of the Clones. Welcome to Sky Talkers This Galactic Life. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers This Galactic Life. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I am your other host, Caitlin. And as you heard in our prologue, this episode is all about Attack of the Clones. Woohoo! Back to the prequels. <laughs> <laughs> we made it! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, we're returning to the original trilogy, of course, but now we're in the prequels and I'm excited. I'm very, very pumped to talk about Attack of the Clones. I'm so excited. Uh, if you guys are just joining us for the first time, Charlotte and I are currently going through our hashtag Skytalkers Machete Order. And so we've been taking each of the films and doing an analysis of each one in Machete Order, which for Charlotte and I, we are doing The Phantom Menace, A New Hope. Empire Strikes Back, Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, Return of the Jedi, and then The Force Awakens. Uh, So we are now in Attack of the Clones. You can go back and listen to the other films that we've done and follow along while we finish out the Machete Order. So we're over halfway through now. Wow. Yeah, I know. It feels good. It feels really good. (laughs) It feels good. (laughs) It feels good. You know, since we recorded our last episode, basically the Obi-Wan standalone movie is confirmed and is in development and being tossed around. I'm so excited. And it's just so exciting. <laughs> yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I love me some Obi-Wan time. So yeah, you and McGregor fans- better be into it. Be in it. If Ewan McGregor is not in this Obi-Wan movie. What's I- the point? What's the why are we here? I know. But, yeah, it just, it doesn't need to happen. Because, like, I, do we care about Obi-Wan pre-Jedi Order? I mean, uh, yes. Some people do. I mean, yeah, yes, some people but do. he would have been a kid. I mean, I guess you could do something like that, but. I'm not just, into that as much. I want moody, I desert Obi-Wan. Desert Obi-Wan. Yeah, it just seems crazy. If you McGregor is as into it as these interview compilations seem to say he is then he needs to be in it for sure we shall see (laughs) yes so pumped i i really hope this gets greenlit and they get a director and a writer and a script attached to it i'm so ready for this movie oh my god and if you've been listening to our podcast for a while like you know that we've been talking up this movie for a really long time yeah obi-wan movie is is right up there with ahsoka movie i know it's like the pie in the sky dream and i'm just like really happy that it's happening (laughs) that means ahsoka can't be far behind oh of course (laughs) ahsoka lives exclamation point (laughs) Do you hear me, Dave Filoni? I think he hears you loud and clear. (laughs) He totally does. 
But something exciting is that if you all are listening to this on Saturday, that means Charlotte and I are at DragonCon right now in Atlanta, and hopefully we picked up the new Leia and Phasma books from Force Friday. They're doing a big party with the authors at DragonCon in Atlanta, so hopefully hopefully we have our hands on those. But if you guys are in Atlanta or at DragonCon, please come and find us so we can give you hugs and buttons and buttons and hugs. Yes, please. We have a panel on Sunday that we're going to be on, but we'll be around all weekend and probably somewhere around the Star Wars track. So hit us up if you see us and like follow us on Instagram story. Um, mm. Our Instagram is at Skytalkers Podcast, even though everything else is at Skytalkers Pod. On Instagram, it's podcast. <laughs> you, we just had to make it a little different, you know? Yeah. Why don't we make it hard for ourselves? Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, you have to have a challenge. Anyway, before we jump into it, the other part is that our Skytalker Stars of Star Wars free Patreon series for this episode, it is Natalie Portman, um, and we're still working on the Carrie Fisher one. We heard your votes, <laughs> and we are going to do postcards from the edge, but things have gotten really busy. Caitlin actually was just up here in Boston with me because we were being interviewed for the Looking for Leia documentary. It was an awesome weekend. So fun. Yeah, it was so great. So things have been really busy around here, so, but we'll definitely get to that. Of course we will. Next up is Natalie Portman. Woo-woo. And um, our options are A, where the heart is, or B, the professional. And... I am really eager to see which one you guys pick because we kind of chose some oddball ones, even though I know yeah. The Professional is like her first movie and almost her claim to fame. But we kind of, <laughs> Caitlin and I used to talk about Where the Heart Is a lot. But All the time. It was the, it was the only Stars of Star Wars movie I had seen before I actually saw Star Wars. Um, yeah. I have Where the Heart Is on VHS. I do too, actually. So, yeah, we bonded over that. It was like, oh, Natalie Portman's in Star Wars? Oh, she's also in Where the Heart Is. And it's like, I honestly oh. think we bonded over this before you were into Star Wars. Oh, I'm pretty sure we did because it was one of the few Like, I have this vivid memory seen. of you and I on the school bus in middle school, like eighth it's sixth grade, and me being like, who has seen Where the Heart Is with Natalie Portman, my favorite actress? <laughs> and you were like, me. Me, hand raise. Oh, yeah. Caitlin, over here. It was me. <laughs> anyway, please pick The Professional because I want to watch The Professional. <laughs> <laughs> I really like Where the Heart Is, but yeah, interesting options. So you guys can vote for either A, Where the Heart Is, or B, The Professional. And you can catch our Ian McGregor, Mark Hamill, and our soon-to-be-released Carrie Fisher episodes up on our Patreon page for free. So be sure to check that out and let us know what you think. Yes. And also, thank you so much for your responses about our Yoda slash Luke's anger confusion in our last Empire Strikes Back episode. You guys cleared up a lot of things for us, and we really appreciate all the nuanced responses. It was awesome to get your emails. Yeah, you guys are so smart. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Reading some of them, I was like, oh, yeah, why haven't I thought about it like that before? I know. Uh, But that's what's so great about podcasting and being a part of the Star Wars community is that you get everyone's perspective on Star Wars. So we actually got so many emails and responses about that. So thank you guys so much. It was really great to read all of them uh, and think about those scenes in a new light. So thank you. Yes. But I think we should just get right into it because we have a lot to talk about with Attack of the Clones, obviously. Mm. So pumped. 
Um, <laughs> but as we follow this normal format for our machete series, it goes... In part one, we are going to be talking about the story. And in part two, we are going to be talking all about the characters. And in part three is kind of our catch-all where we answer some Twitter questions, we go over some behind-the-scenes stuff, and we talk about how overall it really fits into our machete order. So without further ado, let's get started. not let this republic be split in two. My negotiations will not fail. If they do, there aren't enough Jedi to protect the republic. We're keepers of the peace, not soldiers. You know I don't like it when you do that. Sorry, master. I forgot you don't like flying. Well, you've lost him. If you'll excuse me. I hate it when he does that. Anakin. Don't do anything without first consulting either myself or the Council. You don't need guidance, Anakin. I see you becoming the greatest of all Jedi. The boy has exceptional skills. His abilities have made him arrogant. Excuse me. I'm in charge of security here, milady. They are using a bounty hunter named Jango Fett to create a clone army. Wait. We must stop them before they're ready. Your clones are very impressive. They'll do their job well. Blast! That's why I hate flying! This is a crisis. The Senate must vote the Chancellor emergency powers. As my first act, I will create a grand army of the Republic to counter the increasing threats of the Separatists. Hasn't been a full-scale war since the formation of the Republic. You must join me, Obi-Wan. And together, we will destroy the Sith. The dark side clouds everything. In grave danger, you are. This clone war has. Alright, welcome back to part one where we are going to be talking all about this story of Attack of the Clones. And I gotta be honest, if you guys don't remember from one of our early episodes, Attack of the Clones is actually my favorite prequel movie. So I love this movie. I think it's great. Uh, definitely has some room for improvement, but overall, I really enjoyed it. Uh, and especially this time around, I hadn't watched it in a while, and so it was really fun to return to this era coming off of Empire Strikes Back. So what did you think of the transition comparing it to Empire Strikes Back as far as tone? Um, I think it's pretty similar in tone, and I think that kind of was apparent when coming directly off of that. They obviously mirror each other a lot because they're center um, episodes within the trilogy, and they both have core romances and characters that go off on the on their own mm-hmm. and um, are kind of deceived and because of that that sort of structure kind of lends itself to this same tone as Empire but I 
found myself with this viewing less confused about the politics than I've ever been before. And I think it was because maybe just (laughs) podcasting or like I think about it a lot. And now it was, I don't know, I just I found it really compelling the politics of it this time and what was going on and why um, Padme had to basically be taken away from the Capitol. And I don't know, I, I had just had a I had a really fun time watching this movie. I did too, and I remember you rewatched this movie before I did, and you were like, you were asking me if you thought I was going to, if I would have the same reaction to the politics as in it being more clear. And it was more clear, but it didn't take center stage for me this time, which that's not a strange thing to happen for me. (laughs) (laughs) But I do feel like I understood it a lot more this time around, and I feel like I appreciated the deviousness of Palpatine more in this viewing and just the idea of the not the idea but how the story works with you know Padme has to be taken away because of this assassination plot but it's also right on the heels of this uh, big vote that's coming into the Galactic Senate and of course Palpatine whisks her off with Anakin uh, because you know so much about him you know it just it all worked so perfectly Uh, it just really highlights how how devious Palpatine really is. I also was shocked in the beginning scene. I mean, of course, I've seen this movie like 400,000 times. It's one of my favorites. But I'm always shocked by how violent that first beginning scene is where Padme's ship blows up. And it's just like, it reminds me like in a post-2001 terrorism-fueled world, that's like a seriously violent scene. And it's crazy because I was even like, creepily pausing it and looking to see if the person that like the face that they had replaced for the decoy in that first scene when you're not supposed to know it's a decoy was Mm -hmm. actually Natalie Portman's and I swear they like superimposed Natalie's face on uh, Corday right I bet they would I know I think they did (laughs) and it kind of makes me feel um kind of uncomfortable I don't know (laughs) I will say Padme's face when Corday dies uh that whole little exchange between her and Corday I just feel like Natalie Portman does such a great job in that scene. yeah me too and when she lingers and everything I think it's great it's a great moment and, yeah, and she's looking down and you know the camera is up is you know below her I yeah I thought that was really great it has this movie has a couple of those moments that like really have struck me about like how like deep the emotions are that I've kind of like glossed over in the past like even like I'm jumping right ahead of this but like jump even where Shmi dies in Anakin's arms I was like tearing up (laughs) and I was like shocked because first off like okay um, maybe I'm like have a cold heart but like I've never really teared up in that scene even though like I obviously know I. I, I obviously like I know it's like a huge impactful scene for Anakin and like it's obviously super sad whatever but I was really really taken by that and I think Caden Christensen's acting is really good in that I think he does I gotta say you you texted this to me and I just gotta repeat it because I think it's so true about this movie about how I always like this movie more than what people tell you. Like, you like the movie more than what people tell you you should like it. Totally. That makes no sense. But it's No, like no, no. I, I completely get it. And yeah, that's what you texted me. You were like, I enjoy this way more, even despite people's comments that are talk about how bad this movie is. It's really not bad. 
I'm just like so frustrated by that because like every time I go into watching Attack the Clones now, like I feel like I have to like seek out what's good of good in it because like I want to prove those people wrong but like and then I end up not having my own experience this time I had my own experience but like it's weird when you like let let go and just like enjoy the fact that it's Star Wars like that's awesome it's a great movie it's a good Star Wars movie it's just fun and when you let that go like it's it's just it's a it's a fine movie yeah no I think so too and I mean just so everyone at home knows, there are obviously things about the prequels and Attack of the Clones that Charlotte and I both think could be done a lot better. Uh, totally. But I don't think it's as bad as people make it out to be. Like in that scene when Shmi dies, watching Hayden Christensen's face as he goes through the joy of finding her, the the hopefulness that she'll live, the sadness when she dies, the devastation, and then the anger – all in the span of, and then from anger to like rage and all of that in the span of like a minute. And you see it all play out on his face. Uh, I think that really struck me about that scene, kind of going back to when Shmi passed away. That I thought was was really well done on Hayden Christensen's part. And two, like the, the, the exchange between Obi-Wan and Anakin at the beginning when they're uh, getting ready to go up and see Padme for the first time. And I love how this movie builds the tension in Anakin until he gets to the point where he slaughters all the Tusken Raiders. You know, he's irritated at Obi-Wan. He tries to speak out with Padme on Naboo and she shuts him down. You know, you have all these little things that are kind of nitpicking at him and just building this tension and this anger in him. And then we finally see it all released uh, after Shmi dies in the Tusken Raiders. Uh, So I think that was something I hadn't really picked up on before. Uh, when I was watching this movie, but you do kind of see how how it happened, you know, what not what led him to kill the Tuscan Raiders, because being annoyed at your master isn't a reason, <laughs> but um, you could kind of see how things were boiling inside of him until the point where he, you know, this thing sent him over the edge, um, justifiably so, because it was his mother, but. The thing is, is that with this movie, what people want wanted from it was like a super dark Anakin. Instead, you get an Anakin who's, like, thrown curveballs and, like, extreme frustrations. Like, he's super frustrated that, like, his master is holding him back, right? I don't know if we see enough of that in this movie to, like, justify... What he perceives as one holding him back. Exactly. And that's... Maybe that's the disconnect, is that it's, like, Anakin... That's what Anakin sees, but like that's not what we see. The thing does that is, make sense? When, no, it totally does. It's, I mean, it's Anakin being a teenager because when push comes to shove and you see Obi Wan and Anakin in action together, they they pick up right where the other leaves off. Like when um, Sam Wessel attacks Padme and Obi Wan just leaps out the window um, because he knows Anakin is coming from him, coming for him. And what does Anakin do? He comes for him. And, and then they, they trade off. So they're chasing, you know, there's that whole great scene uh, of the chase of Zam Wessel. And then Anakin's the one who jumps out of the speeder. And then Obi-Wan goes after him. Uh, and then, you know, even when they're fighting Count Dooku, uh, I mean, oh, Anakin goes to rescue Obi-Wan anyway on Geonosis. But then when they're fighting Count Dooku, Anakin, like, quickly jumps in to pick up where Obi-Wan left off um, after he was... 
uh, beaten down. Uh, yeah, they totally so- work well together and they're yeah. like insane. And it, that was, it's great to see, especially coming from in the order that we're watching it in the original trilogy, you kind of hear about how Obi-Wan and Anakin were great friends, right? Or mm-hmm. good friends. So it was good to see that finally, even though we have seen, you know, in this order that we're watching it, we were supposed to have seen The Phantom Menace. And even in then, we didn't even get any sort of Anakin and Obi-Wan friendship. So now we're seeing it yeah. and it's kind of, you can let your imagination kind of go wild that they've been on many adventures together and mm-hmm. you know they're so well synced up it's kind of fun something i liked uh t- coming out of the original trilogy too was one of the first things we learned about anakin from obi-wan is that he you know he was the best pilot around and the first thing we see anakin do in action is pilot the speeder and rescue obi-wan uh, so I thought that was That's a nice, true. yeah, I thought that was a nice kind of parallel between the two films kind of. It is weird when we now have, like, I think I like the transition so much more coming when you don't have the Phantom Menace within watching the Machete Order, because then you just get to imagine like way more adventures that have gone on between Anakin and Obi-Wan. Um, and like, but at the same time, it's kind of cool that you get that distance and you get to see how far they've come within, you know, these two movies that have happened since The Phantom Menace in this order. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it's – it doesn't bother me as much as I think it bothers you, uh, including The <laughs> Phantom Menace for the Attack of the Clones transition. Um, because The Phantom Menace is so much earlier than Attack of the Clones, even in the prequel trilogy by itself. Uh, so it doesn't – I don't think it affects it as much. I mean, that's one of the biggest critiques of The Phantom Menace is that it has really no bearing on the rest of the prequel trilogy. So I think that holds up, too, when you transition between Empire and Attack of the Clones in our yeah. machete order. It, it almost just, like, remains even more separate from the prequels now that it's within this yeah, it order. Does. It does. And I think I think the pros outweigh the cons almost when, especially when you look at Obi-Wan and Yoda uh, and how having the Phantom Menace first kind of impacts our view of them in A New Hope and in Empire Strikes Back. That's been my favorite part of putting the Phantom Menace at the front. So I think, I think, I like it. I still like it at the front and I still think it works for this transition too into back into the prequel era. I think visually it's really cool because when we always talk about this and when we refer to the machete order, um, how basically Empire ends in the clouds in Cloud City and Mm -hmm. this movie opens with Padme's ship going upside down into the clouds. So it's like a whole flip reversal. It's a really cool transition. It's really cool. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. And it's like it really just kind of – if we're supposed to treat two and three – as a flashback the whole like ship going upside down basically and descending into the clouds kind of really does set you up for this like flashbacky vibe yeah (laughs) lack of a better term and even with all the colors that are so much more vibrant um and i think i can't quite remember but when we come the beginning of attack of the clones it's kind of almost like sunset uh, so it does kind of almost have that dream memory quality to it which i think you see in a lot of flashback sequences 
Yeah, and it's even kind of similar to the coloring in Cloud City as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's what I was thinking. But often people refer to Attack of the Clones as like the autumn of Star Wars, as like things are like dying, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and in, it kind of expresses itself in the color scheme of this movie as well. It's like orangey browns, um, yeah. sunsetty. And I always have thought that was a really cool comparison because it really is like you're creeping closer and closer to Anakin's turn and all these seeds are happening and you're getting much closer to like the downfall of the Republic. I I don't know. I just think that I really have always liked that reference point as the autumn of Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think in terms of just the technical aspect of what they did in this film I think it I mean looking at the backgrounds they're just they're stunning mm-hmm. um and like when Anakin and Obi-Wan are coming up in the elevator for that first scene together and the lighting that's going across them it's just it's so well done um but it, it is I mean there are a lot of those colors that you were talking about like with the browns and, and the reddish hues and you know, it, it is very autumn. I've all, I've liked that comparison too. You were the first person who told me about that, so it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just think it's cool because I don't know. I don't know if you can make that sort of like seasonal comparison to any of the other Star Wars films generally, but I do think that this one kind of fits it to the T. Well, yeah, yeah. and then and then Revenge <laughs> of the Sith will end in in darkness. Exactly, which is where the galaxy is. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully by A New Hope, it's kind of the spring, the rebirth, which is really cool. It's cool to think about it in those terms. Very mm-hmm. poetic. It's like poetry. It rhymes. Thank you, George. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think we should move on to talking about the characters because I think we have a lot to get through. Let's do it. On November 12th, Huda Man, Yoda Man. <laughs> When you take home Star Wars Episode 2 on DVD. Digitally filmed, digitally mastered, a perfect clone. Own the first major live-action film on DVD captured directly from its digital source. This two-disc set is packed with over six hours of bonus features you'll actually want to watch. Star Wars Episode 2, Yoda the Man, on DVD November 12th. Okay, so welcome to Part 2, and in this part we're going to talk about all about the characters. So I think the first question that I wanted to ask you is, do you think that the characters are well-developed and do we know who they are by the end of this movie? I think that's a hard question uh, for (laughs) Star Wars fans like us because we feel like we know these characters so well because we spend so much time with them uh, of our own volition. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I think coming into this film, though... I guess assuming that I don't watch Star Wars all the time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> who are those people? Um, I don't think development is is great in this movie. It expects you to infer a lot into these relationships and how they've developed, um, and doesn't it doesn't spend a lot of time solidifying Obi Wan and Anakin's relationship or or Anakin and Padme's relationship, and we don't get anything of Padme and Obi Wan. That was something that I noted too when uh, I think it's Jar Jar or I, I don't remember, but basically. It's, they're talking about they're talking to Padme about Obi Wan as you know her old friend, and I'm like they didn't spend any time together in the Phantom Menace and apparently haven't seen each other since. So, see that's why 
What are your friends like, Padme? Do you see them once every three years? (laughs) (laughs) But that's why removing the Phantom Menace from the Machete Order works really well. Because those kind of conversations, you're able to really use your imagination and be like, oh my God, they've known each other for so long. They're they're good friends. And, you know, when Anakin knew, knew Padme, like, he wasn't this young kid, like, they were like in the throes of their teenagehood. Like, yeah, you can, you can, but the fact is that's not how it happened. I know. You yeah. know, and you know, you don't. We've always advocated, not advocated, but suggested that Machete Order is not something you show to a first-time Star Wars watcher viewer. Mm-hmm. And so you already know that that's not how it happened. I get what you're saying, and it, it makes sense. Uh, you can kind of read into those relationships however you want, but... But at the at same the of- time, it's also like, wait, why... Has canon actually told us that Obi-Wan and Padme have never actually spent any time together? Because all canon has told us is that Anakin and Padme haven't seen each other in 10 years. Wow, mind blown. <laughs> I'm just saying. podcast out. Because, <laughs> because Anakin's like, I haven't seen her in 10 years, Master. And Obi-Wan's not like... I haven't either. You know? <laughs> Samesies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you know, and Palpatine, I think it's, uh, you know, now you're, you've got me confused. I think it's Palpatine who's like, your old friend, Master Kenobi. Like, I think you're right because he interrupts Padme. Padme's like, classic. I don't think I need. And Palpatine's like, your old friend, Obi-Wan. Padme's yeah. like, wait, what? Wait, that Kenobi kid? The because, one with like, the Jedi who died? Him? I have okay. to. I have to imagine that they've seen each other again or something because I don't because the- Anakin would have been with Obi Wan training doing Padawan. Not really, things. not really. Ahsoka was separate from Anakin a lot of the times too. Yeah, but Ahsoka was basically the same age. I mean, she was a couple years older she when was like she like fifteen. Yeah, but I don't think that after everything that happened in the Phantom Menace, I don't know it. The Phantom Menace leads you to believe that Obi-Wan and Anakin are together for the duration. I agree. I'm just saying that you know they're going to fill that hole (laughs) with something. Yeah, I mean, I guess, but... And I want them to, so I'm down. I mean, do you really think Obi-Wan and Padme have seen each other throughout the years enough to be friends? I don't. I'm just just saying that there's no point. You're just making an argument. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there's no there's no direct point that says they haven't seen each other. So no, that's all I'm saying. No, and so the whole movie sets it up as like your old friend, Master Kenobi. Like maybe they have spent a lot of time together, and Anakin is the only one that hasn't seen her in forever. Imagine a time where Obi Wan is going on a mission or has to like do something for Padme, and then Anakin wants to go, but he can't because he has like training with Yoda or something and like and he's like oh my god I think about her in my dreams uh you know (laughs) whatever and like like, instead which actually even sets up this like jealousy a little bit more if Obi-Wan and Padme had actually spent more time together than was originally shown to us because Anakin never got to spend time with her you never know. I'm just saying it's a possibility. It's a possibility. I don't think it's a very likely possibility, given what no. we have so far. Anyway. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we spend a lot of time on that. But like. Okay, yeah. All right. So let's talk about Padme, because in The Phantom Menace, she kind of shines as this really like badass diplomat queen, elected queen, yeah. whatever that is. Um, <laughs> 
So, and a lot of people talk about how that's her strongest movie, and she really gets pushed to the sidelines in Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. Uh, so, what do you think about that? I don't think she gets pushed to the sidelines at all in Attack of the Clones. I think Same. she gets pulled to the si- pushed to the sidelines in Revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. And it has always stuck out to me in Attack of the Clones, especially how Padme is 100% right about everything she says, mm-hmm. and every person denies her. Yeah, the first scene when she's like, "I think Count Dooku's behind it." That's what I was and everyone's say. like, "No, no, he's not. He's a Jedi. He's a, he. You know, he was used to be a Jedi. Oh my it gosh, not in his nature. Like, they are you kidding do. me? I can't. I can't. I cannot. It's I so cannot. annoying. I someone needs to explain to me the cult around Mace Windu. Is it is it just a Samuel L. Jackson thing? Because the actual character of Mace Windu. He never, he never says a good thing, <laughs> you know, True. in the Clone Wars and Attack of the Clones. I mean, I guess he, he does at the end of Revenge of the Sith when he's like, we've got to kill him now. <laughs> Palpatine. It's like, yes, thank you. Yeah. But... but in this, like the way he talks about me, he's like, I mean, what you said, he, he's just, he was a Jedi. You know, he was once a you Jedi. You know, he was a Jedi. It's not <laughs> he couldn't major, assassinate Padme. anyone. Like, like don't you, you know how the Jedi me? work, Padme? Jeez, Padme. He was a Jedi, Padme. <laughs> it's so frustrating. Like, honestly, it's really like. It is very I, frustrating. And like, her look is like so close I to Ivo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you not? <laughs> we need to do like a, a basic girl commentary of Padme in Attack of the Clones. I know. Or just we definitely do. Can you not? Can you literally not? <laughs> <laughs> that would just be all Padme says. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, that was something uh, I really frustrated me about this episode. Uh, was that Padme? Padme gets the movie doesn't overlook Padme. The characters overlook Padme. Um, yeah, and are kind of constantly trying to decide what she's doing, which is what happened in The Phantom Menace, too, with Qui-Gon, kind of deciding what would be best for Naboo and what the queen should do without actually asking the queen. Um, and so Padme had to take it into her own hands. And I think she does she does that, too, in a different way in Attack of the Clones. Okay, so I'm always asked why I like Anakin and Padme and, like, why that's my OTP, because it seriously is, like, I'm obsessed with them. I love them. And the basic reason is I just do. I just like it. You know, it's I think that it's tragic and I kind of like the tragedy behind it. And um, yeah, but really, I do think that I understand why Padme falls for Anakin. And I think it's because they were both kind of emotionally stunted. Um, Anakin being rushed into the Jedi Order when he was nine, had to leave his mom and the only person, you know, who he kind of like bonded with when the Phantom Menace was Padme and then he kind of like kept that in his head, right? Um and then Padme has shuffled around her entire life in this career of diplomacy. Um she even talks about in Attack of the Clones <clears throat> when they just get to Naboo about how the queen asked her to serve on the Senate and she couldn't refuse her and how, you know, they even asked her to amend the, when she was the queen to like serve another term. And, 
Um, she just basically has never had time for herself. And then in this instance, in Attack of the Clones, this is when she gets attention. Someone really likes her. She's forced to like unwind. It's very clear in the novel, too, that they're really forced to unwind. And roll around in the grass, have a picnic. <laughs> but, like, but like, honestly, though, they, yeah. you know, she's like, has to take her mind, which is not good because she has to like be physically away from this like super important vote, but she has to like take her mind off of it. And she's forced to be in this situation. And I really do think that they loved each other, um, but they were fated and doomed from the beginning because they weren't always going to have to lie. And it's like based on a bunch of lies, basically. Yeah. <sighs> That's I- it. <laughs> um yeah i totally agree one thing we always talk about with the prequels uh is that you have to the prequels they're trying to tell the bigger picture story um more so i think than character development um for better or for worse um in some cases better and in some cases worse uh but i think what is so obvious about Attack of the Clones is that these big picture pieces, namely what Palpatine is doing, and really seeing how they affect these individual people, namely Anakin and Padme and Obi-Wan, and, you know, in a bigger vein, the Jedi Order. Um, and a scene that really struck me this time around about Anakin and Padme, because I was watching it, and I I completely understand why Anakin is in love, obsessed with Padme. Uh, but something that I've always kind of struggled with is why Padme falls in love with Anakin. Um, it doesn't really make sense to me because in the whole beginning of the movie, she keeps rebuffing him. You know, he gets friend zone from the very beginning. You know, you'll always be that little boy on Tatooine. And then when he tries to give her the, the Flynn Rider smolder and she's like, stop that. You're making me uncomfortable. And walks away, you know, like she's very adamant in, in, in not being with him. And then suddenly it seems like all that changes. But in that scene before they go out into the arena, we know when she says, I truly deeply care for you. I feel like that's always, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Should, should we, should we play the scene? (laughs) Um, I feel like that's always, that's always the part of that scene I think about and remember the most is, you know, I truly deeply Charlotte can finish it if she wants. Love you. Um, <laughs> but it, perhaps the more interesting dialogue is what happens right before that moment is, you know, the first time she says, I love you, and Anakin is startled, and he's like, we'll, we'll, keep it, we'll keep it a secret. It'll be fine. Our love will see us through. And Padme, she says it more than once, I think. Uh, But basically she says, we're going to die anyway. I need to tell you how I feel. We're going to die anyway. I love you. And it's, it's very, it's like a life or death situation. And you know how they say that people who go through these really stressful situations are bonded together. And I feel like Padme is very convinced that she's about to die. And so it doesn't really even matter what she does. And to hell with politics and the galaxy there's this guy next to her who says he loves her and you know maybe she should just say it back kind of thing um i'm not saying that's necessarily right but 
that's kind I got more of that vibe from this viewing and then I think once they survived and it's like they came out of it the other side it's like oh my god this is incredible this is amazing and I think all of that together kind of formed the foundation of their relationship I think I completely disagree with you (laughs) awesome okay good I don't even know how I feel about everything I just said I I don't know. It was just she kept bringing it up in that conversation before they went out to the arena. She's like, "We're about to die. I guess I'll say I love you. We're about to die. We're about to die." You know. So I feel like that's where her head was. I feel like she said, "We're about to die" like one time. It was more than <laughs> once. It's literally, um, we've been. Di- I've been dying a little bit each day, and since you came back into my life, which is like the truest thing ever. Again, oh why I love that piece of tragedy. Anyway, I like completely disagree because I think the switch that turns on Padme is that she sees somebody that she can care for and like whether or not that's healthy or like right is kind of up for question. But like, um, you know, there's a couple of deleted scenes where Anakin, when they are traveling as refugees, has a nightmare and Padme overhears and kind of watches him and then wakes him up and um, asks him about her. And when Padme talks about his mom and I mean, when Anakin talks about his mom, Padme just kind of listens and is like, wow, that must be hard for you. And it's just like, when he's upset about his mother dying, like going with him to Tatooine, it's like they're on a journey together. And to some extent, you talked about this, like they've been through so much together and they've experienced this together and she can care for him. Like she like basically like eggs him on by saying like to be angry is to be human, which is kind of true, but also like really scary in a Jedi world. Like (laughs) and she should know that. And so (laughs) so I'm like, she should and like the thing is is that like she I think that she just likes to care for him and kind of sees they're like basically equals in the galaxy like he's like super awesome Jedi and she's super awesome senator and like they kind of complement each other and she sees that foundation to like care for him and at the end you know she's been fighting this this entire this entire movie and when they're about to die she like opens up to him that's how I see it and have always seen it. But I I I don't know. I, maybe it's the same thing that we you were saying <laughs> in just a different way. I, I see where you're coming from with Anakin and Padme, with Padme in particular. I think what I agree with most is probably what you said at the end about how, you know, now in this time before she's about to die, she can release all of these feelings that maybe she felt before like she shouldn't. Um, because yeah. of who they are in the galaxy. Um, and then it's like once you open that bottle, you can't yeah, put it back. Like, um, it, and absolutely not. And she like, you know, bared her soul to him. Yeah. And, and I understand that portion of it. I just don't know if I – and this goes back to the character development. But I just don't know if I agree with your reasoning that it's enough for why she even has those feelings to let out. Um, because the, the deleted scenes, they're great, but they're not in the movie. I don't know if there it is enough, but that's just kind of what I see when I see this movie is that like, that's how, that's what happens. 
I don't know. I don't know. It's it's a very complicated relationship. I feel like we could do a whole episode on this and just debate it because it's kind of has it's built on a very unsteady foundation. Mm-hmm. But I think that they do love each other. I think that Anakin I, is I partially obsessed too. with her and that's like a huge part of it. And that's unhealthy. But and I do think that they love each other. I just don't know how they got there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's a good way to sum it up. I think, yeah, they love each other. I'm just not sure how they got there. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. And again, this this is something we bring up about the prequels all the time, too, is that it is a tragedy. It was never meant to be anything but a tragedy. These characters had to fall in love and break apart and lose one another. That was in the design from the very beginning. Um, so to expect anything more out of that, I think, can kind of affect your viewing and your experience and your enjoyment of the prequels. Totally. And I, I think so, too. And um, I I think we're really, really hard on that relationship as a fandom mm-hmm. as well, because I think that fundamentally we weren't ever going to get a Han and Leia situation that we're like going to love them because they are so likable. They're just like super likable people. But like like you just said, it's tragic and um it's just the way that it was set up and like maybe I don't know. I, I just don't think I think that it you can't equate them, basically. You can't equate yeah. Han and Leia to Anakin yeah. and Padme. And well, you shouldn't expect that. No. And even with the timing too, I mean with Han and Leia, we had a whole other film to get to know them. Um, and with Anakin and Padme, it's not the same because we we don't really know Anakin when we come into Attack of the Clones. Uh, yeah. We know who Padme is, but she's in a completely different stage. I mean, 10 years have passed. Uh, they're both completely different people from, not completely, but very different people from who they were in The Phantom Menace. So we're getting to know them as they're falling in love with each other, which completely changes our perception of them individually and as as a pair. But, <laughs> 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 Hannah can't have had me. <laughs> Get that off our chest. <laughs> um, but... Let's talk a little bit about Yoda. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Let's talk about Yoda. Um, what do you want to talk about Yoda for? I'm I surprised just... by this. <laughs> okay, Yoda isn't my favorite character. I've said that before. I'll say it again. And every time I watch Star Wars, I always want to watch it and like Yoda more. And in some parts <laughs> I do, and in some parts I don't. Like when, at the very beginning, when Mace, again, says something that it's just completely wrong. When they're talking to Palpatine and Palpatine is talking about, you know, building an army and and Mace says, you know, we're we're Jedi, we're keepers of the peace. We don't do that. Uh, which that isn't a wrong thing that Mace says, but that's not what the Jedi actually end up doing. But the look on Yoda's face when he says that, it's like he knows that that's not true anymore. And that all of that is about to drastically change. One, I think the animation on Yoda's face in that moment was really great. And then later on in the film, when Mace and Yoda are chit-chatting in, I guess, Yoda's chambers, Yoda's meditation chamber. I don't know. It's like everyone goes there to meet with Yoda. (laughs) Yoda's chill chill chamber. (laughs) Yeah, Yoda's chill chamber. I think it's it's after Obi-Wan has contacted them about the army on Kamino. And Mace... 
asks Yoda if they should tell the Senate that the Jedi's the Jedi uh, aren't as powerful in the Force anymore, which I don't think I ever really internalized that. I know, but that's like it's a really so weird. big deal. And yeah, and, because the dark side is literally clouding everything, and they can't yeah. see what's right in front of them. And but then, and this is the but Yoda does it to himself. You know, you you know, he says no, it's not. Like, we can't tell them, basically. And this is what he does with Luke in Empire Strikes Back when he doesn't tell him about his father. Um, and it's just like Yoda is keeping all of this information and growing. And when we were growing up and watching Star Wars, this was always my thing about Yoda was Yoda should know more than what he lets on. And in this scene, I think I realized that Yoda does know more than what he's letting on. And it's just confusion as to why he's not telling more people about what he knows in hopes. I think that goes back to the corruption of the Jedi Order though like this yeah, is like the it, downfall of it like they don't they don't go into it because it's like it may says we should alert the Senate is it that the our ability to use the force connection has to, to the diminished. force is diminished diminished Yoda yeah says only the Sith know about this and I and I guess I can understand where Yoda is, is saying we're keeping this. This is a Jedi thing. It's not for the Senate to concern themselves about. Or maybe Yoda has some inkling that it that it's Palpatine. I don't. I don't know. I guess. I, I guess think I'm the Jedi are just kind of insular. Yeah, I'm gonna solicit responses from our listeners again to to explain to me Yoda because clearly I just don't understand this character. Speaking of Yoda, how interesting is it coming from <laughs> Empire Strikes Back, Yoda? to this Yoda and like see him <laughs> in battle and in combat and like take off the robe and like grab the lightsaber and go for Jiggle. it. Well, what's funny is, you know, we always talk about Empire Strikes Back, how it's like the crazy Yoda in the beginning. Um, mm. And we do get to see little pieces of that when Obi-Wan is looking for his planet and Yoda's with yeah. the feelings. He's yeah, like, yeah, lost yeah. his planet Obi-Wan has. <laughs> yeah, it's so cute. A, a little bit of that too, but it's real crazy. Seeing Yoda go at it against Dooku, it's cool. I think it's a. I think it's a really cool scene. I know people aren't. Some people think it looks ridiculous, but you know, we did hear about Yoda being a great Jedi warrior. Like, and now we get to see it. I've always kind of liked that. Yeah, it's it was like a good callback, especially coming straight from Empire. You know. Mm Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That it does work really well for him. A new character that I've become recently like a tad obsessed with is Count Dooku. And I don't know where, I mean, I know where it came from. Oh my goodness. We didn't even mention this at the top of the episode, but big news listeners. I have started reading Revenge of the Sith, the novelization. I'm not very far into it, but I've started reading it. And anyway, there something that I've always been interested in about the Jedi Order is the Lost 20. Uh, which, if you don't know, the last 20 are basically s- statues, busts to all of the Jedi who have renounced the Jedi Order that are in the library or the archives with Jocasta Nu. And I've always thought that this was a strange thing to have because why would you have statues honoring the people who basically decided they didn't like you anymore? And pa- I remember I tweeted this to Pablo Hidalgo once asking him about it. And I think he said something along the lines of maybe it's about a lesson, you know, remembrance about what the Jedi couldn't do for yeah, those Yeah, he people. said it. Exactly. Exactly. It was a lesson. Yeah. Which... But it's still weird. It's, it's still, still super weird. weird. It's still weird. 
Yeah, it, it's a In weird, the deleted scene with Jocasta New, she's basically showing Obi-Wan this old bust of Dooku and talking about how he was this great thinker and a lot like Qui-Gon, his old master, and basically like praising him. And it's a, just, just a weird moment. And I understand why they would cut it because it's it was like they had really set Dooku up to be, you know, this like villain in disguise type thing. And here Jocasta New is the Jedi basically praising Dooku. And it's just kind of like, it's super bizarre that that would be the Jedi's purpose is to have these statues in their library, basically, and to continue to praise them even though they left the Jedi Order. It's just really bizarre. And I have, like you, I'm very confused by it. Uh, yeah, I'm, it, it confuses me a lot, especially, I mean, with the Jocasta new deleted scene, and then when we get, I mean, not when we get, but before, earlier, Mace and Yoda, when they're talking to Padme, they're like, Dooku was a Jedi. He's fine. Don't worry. He's a great guy. And then but, they like, find that's out. the thing. But like, they left the Jedi Order. Yeah. Bye. So I, <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> have a book about them or something. I don't know. Like a data disc, but a bust. And then what I wanted to know is like, so is there a bust of Ahsoka in now? Is it the Lost Twenty One? Right. <laughs> that's what I want to know. <laughs> Pablo. I want to know that too. I, I think about that all the time. I'm like, did they put up a bus to Ahsoka? Can you tweet that to Pablo, like, right now? Thanks. Yeah, I will when we're done here. I'll do it. But I think Dooku is such an interesting character because in the – at least in the little part I've read of Revenge of the Sith, he has these very noble aspirations. Noble in his mind, anyway. Uh, maybe not actually noble, but – you know, he's, he's super dignified, comes from money, and, you know, he, he tells – Obi-Wan the truth about what happens and Obi-Wan refuses to believe it even though apparently the Jedi don't really hate Dooku for leaving the Jedi Order uh but Obi-Wan is just kind of immediately on guard with Dooku Um, I know that's what's so crazy is that whole scene in Geonosis Dooku basically tells him everything without saying any names really yeah but but the problem is is at the end Dooku's like join me Instead of, look, I have this information, what what can you do with it? It's really like Dooku saying that he saw the corruption within the Jedi and left, in which case it makes him a super interesting character yeah, because he his eyes are the most open. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And something I thought was interesting too was, so once Dooku leaves Geonosis and he goes to meet Palpatine, one, the music that's playing as his ship is landing to go meet Darth Sidious is really interesting, cool music. Uh, but also, it's so cool. It's it's really cool. I don't think I'd ever listened to it that closely. But um, the look on Dooku's face, I think I wrote down in my notes, Dooku has regrets. <laughs> um, and so <laughs> I think I can't remember exactly where it is in that part. Uh, but I think he realizes that this is much bigger than he anticipated. And I think to some degree he did have good intentions with what he was doing, but then he became he became a part of the of the game, a pawn in Palpatine's game, and now there is no way out. I think so too. He let himself get too far as a pawn. Yeah, it's like he went into it thinking like, almost like he was going to go undercover and be like, I'm going to do this and then... Eventually overthrow, just like any Sith, because that's the point. 
Yeah. But he thought that he could do that, but he for the betterment of the galaxy in his yeah. mind. Yeah, but he couldn't. Yeah, it's, it was. It's just super interesting. You're so right. Dooku's like very, very nuanced. <laughs> so he's so nuanced, and in the Clone Wars, he gets pajamas. Oh, I know, pajama so, Dooku. Pajama Dooku. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> and just as a side note about characters, I really love the how they made Jango and Boba Fett the clones for the Clone Army. I, I like. I've always thought that was a neat way to put Boba Fett into the prequels. I agree. Just a side note. Okay. Well, I think we've talked our listeners' ears off about characters, so we should just move on straight to part three to the catch-all. Is that okay? Let's catch them all. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Episode two action figures give you the power of the Jedi. Jango Fett in his Slave One launches a sneak attack. Your Jedi Starfighter blasts from flight to fight mode and fires, but Jango escapes. As Obi-Wan Kenobi use force-flipping action to leap into battle. But Darth Tyrannus is no pushover. Jango Fett takes out Mace Windu. You can use the force to summon a lightsaber into Obi-Wan's hand. Missile deflected. And the massive Reach charges in with its stomping attack. Anakin strikes back with dual lightsabers. With Star Wars Episode II action figures, the force is in your hands. A galaxy of beasts, vehicles, and action figures each sold separately. Okay, so welcome to part three. Um, in this section, we're going to talk about deleted scenes, the machete order, and answer some Twitter questions. Woohoo! Okay, so Twitter questions kinda... have become my favorite part of these. I know, episodes. I know, so and fun. we don't have that much time, but we'll try to get to as many as we can. Yeah, I know we've touched on it a little bit, but I have always wanted those scenes with. Padme's family to be in this movie. They're my favorite deleted scenes, and I think they're so good. What do you think about them, Caitlin? Oh, I think they absolutely should have been put in. Uh, since such a big focus of this movie is Padme and Anakin, uh, it it couldn't. I think it could only have benefited their relationship and their story. I think so too, and it's such a loss. I think. And if you're listening and you've never watched these deleted scenes, and you're on the fence about Anakin and Padme or Padme as a character, go watch them. They're really good. They are so, really good. If you had to pick between, and I'm jumping ahead to Revenge of the Sith, but if you had to pick between these deleted scenes and the Seeds of the Rebellion deleted scenes in Revenge of the Sith, which would you? Ooh, Caitlin, that's mm-hmm. mean. I know. <laughs> because one in Revenge of the Sith ups a lot of Padme's character just like in general, mm-hmm. and this props up the romance, which I think would be better for everyone overall. In this movie. In Attack of the Clones or for this yeah. story overall? Oh, uh, both. I think yeah. that if if we're sold the romance more, I think it's beneficial it for every both other movies. part of the story. Yes. And, and I, so, so I'm going to choose Attack of the Clones because I think that there's room for those Revenge of the Sith deleted scenes with the Seeds of the Rebellion in some novel, some other form, I think. Oh, no, no, that's not the question. The question (laughs) is if you can only add in one. Okay, well, it's going to be Padme's family and Attack the Clones. I think the pacing would, I actually kind of agree with why they took them out in Revenge of the Sith, because I think the pacing was a little slow. Fair enough, fair enough. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we kind of already touched on the machete order, but yay or nay with this transition? Yay. Me too. Full yay. 
Yeah. Yeah. Even if you don't have the Phantom Menace, um, if you don't want to have Phantom Menace in your machete order, the Empire Strikes Back to Attack of the Clones is, it's a great transition. And this was, I mean, this going from these, from Empire to Attack of the Clones, when we first watched Machete Order was when I started to look at the prequels in a new light and really start to understand them more. Um, I think it was because you were watching it in a different order and thinking about things in proximity to each other that you weren't used to as far as like characters and plot and things like that. So I highly recommend. Yeah, I'd actually even recommend like if you were just going to watch two Star Wars movies, even putting these side by side is really interesting. Yeah, no, totally agree. Because, you know, you just, you get into a routine when you're watching these films one through six or four through six and one through three, you know, um, and you, you know what beats are coming next, but when you mix it up, you're kind of forced to look at things from a new perspective. So you notice things you wouldn't have noticed otherwise. Um, I'm all about this transition. Anyway, I think we should move on to Twitter questions. Yeah, that's so, what we really want to talk about. Okay, so let's start with Sarah. Sarah, our good friend Sarah, says, talk about how on point Padme's wardrobe is. Sarah, it's on point. It's on point. Caitlin, on what's your point. favorite outfit? Uh, her Naboo outfit, um, the one you wear to Celebration. I love that outfit. Which one did I wear to Celebration? The blue one with the oh. silver metal headpiece. Oh, that's on Tatooine, Caitlin. What did I say? Naboo. There's totally different outfits. I meant Tatooine. I really meant Tatooine. That's my favorite one. <laughs> with the, the um, two-piece, with the blue. That I don't know why I said Naboo. Yeah. Tatooine. Well, I, d- I did wear that one to Celebration. I was like, yeah. wait, wh- which Padme outfit? Because I've done a <laughs> few Padme Ooh, themed stuff. Or her nightgown when oh, they yeah, were on Naboo. The the, and the hair. The hair comes with it. I think my favorite is either Picnic or Low-Cut Dress. All right, so Amy Wishman, also a great friend of the podcast, says, Attack the Clones is the best gender parody of any Star Wars we see on screen, just saying. And I have to say, like, I, I kind of didn't realize this until a recent rewatch, and it's super cool, and I wish more Star Wars movies are like that. Uh, so our next comment, the thing is, when we solicit these questions, what we get a lot of are just comments. <laughs> Which, <laughs> but I love them. I love them too. That's the thing. Uh, but Knight of M, Emma, uh, said, the chase through Coruscant is lit. Discuss. Uh, you are absolutely right, Emma. This is probably my favorite part of Attack of the Clones is this chase scene. I think it's hilarious. I love seeing Obi-Wan uncomfortable. I love seeing Anakin <laughs> laughing maniacally as they are doing a nosedive <laughs> the whole thing with the cantina and you know you don't want to you don't want to sell me any death sticks i don't want to sell you any death sticks um in zen wessel i think it's all so cool i love that scene so much also the blade runner yes characteristics mm-hmm. and what else is so good about that? There's so many good things. I love you that can. scene. I always I always wanted that to be a ride in Disney World because I think be it would be so, so cool. <laughs> so good. You know, it's just, it's so fun. Well, what took you so long, Anakin? Oh, you know, Master, I had to pick out a the right speeder, speeder with the right capabilities. And, so and then, you went completely <laughs> the other way. <laughs> I'm sorry, Master. <laughs> I'm terribly sorry, Master. <laughs> it's so funny. Master. 
it's like Anakin is meant is trying to be so deadpan because he's just so over Obi Wan, and then he jumps out of the speeder. Obi Wan, I hate it when he does that. <laughs> Our good friend Franklin said to play a game when watching Attack of the Clones: sarcastic or serious. And basically, you just kind of look at the entire movie about whether they're being serious or sarcastic. And a lot of the times, it can go either way. Yeah. (laughs) But this one, if you read this entire scene as like fully sarcastic, which I think it's supposed to be, it's really hilarious. Oh, yeah, totally. I think I texted you that too when I was watching. I was like, this movie, I I think, is meant to be so much more comedic than it gets credit for. Um, Totally. I think that's. I love this movie. I think it's really funny, especially the whole, a lot of the beginning half too. Like when they're all sitting there, Padme and uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin, and Anakin is getting feisty, and you see Padme and her handmaidens are just, you know, awkward side-eye, like, what do we do next? This is so terrible. And it's like, they just play the awkwardness so well. Totally. Which I know a lot of people be like... Yeah, that's not the point. But maybe it is the point. Okay, so Suara, also a good friend. These are all, you know, we have great friends on the Twitter sphere. When in doubt, you're a great friend. <laughs> no, but honestly true. Yeah, all yeah. these people who have asked questions, like, we love you all. Um, Suara says to talk about Obi-Wan and Jango's space chase through the asteroid field. Some of the best sound design in Star Wars is that scene also a really good connection to empire is mm-hmm. the asteroid to the asteroid i completely forgot about that asteroid to asteroid yeah but the seismic charges are so cool oh my it's god so cool. i you remember hear- the first time i saw this movie i was like what is that supposed to happen i know and it was supposed to happen it's so cool yeah it's really good there are so many good sound and visual things that happen in this movie on a technical level that are just really great. Totally. And that's definitely a highlight. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the same vein, at you Aristocat asked, asked us, talk about how wrong people who think Django didn't love Boba are. I didn't realize people thought this, <laughs> to be quite honest. Well, I think people have kind of like in their head engraved this like hard exterior on Django Fett when really – you know, he solicited his own clone. And they they go out of their way to talk about that in the movie to be a fa- like he wanted to be a father. So he made his own clone that's not genetically sped up, which is mm-hmm. cool. And it is like, obviously, I, I do think that Django did love Boba. So I think so, and, too. And it makes that last scene when Django gets decapitated. Um way more heartbreaking when you see young Boba. And I'm not a big Boba Fett fan, you know, but I I do, you have to recognize that bit, that it is pretty tragic. Yeah. And the fight scene between, I mean, just on a Django moment, the fight between Django and Obi-Wan, I think is really cool. Yeah, Um, it is super cool. It's really fun. With the grappling hook and everything. And the rain, it's just not something we've seen in any other Star Wars movie. Yeah, that's true. I, I think that in The Last Jedi we'll get more rain um, on Acto, but I – Yeah, rain in the rain. I just think that, like, we never really see that, and I think we are about to. Anyway, I, can I not, never, like, just talk about one specific Star Wars movie without bringing up The Last Jedi? I'm clearly very excited for it. I think we all are. <laughs> I think that goes without yeah. saying. True. 
Okay, our last question that we're going to get to today is from Greg Scott, and he said, talk about sand. Hashtag you asked. Well, Greg, Um, (laughs) it's rough. Poor Anakin did hate sand, and Hayden Christensen did answer this question when we were at Celebration. Um, You know, he lived his whole life before on as a slave on a terribly sandy planet. I bet Luke hates sand, too. Like, you would hate sand, sand too, Greg, (laughs) if you lived on Tatooine. Just kidding. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, sand, it's uh, rough and coarse and irritating. Irritating. uh, It gets everywhere. Uh, Which, you know, is very true. He's not wrong. He's, he's like, speaking the truth. He's spewing facts. He's speaking the truth. Like, he is. He would have if if Anakin were tweeting, he would have um, he would have a thread of reasons why I hate sand, and then at the end he'd have those <laughs> clapping hands that would be you know like it clapping hand gets clapping hand everywhere clapping hands. <laughs> but yeah, great question. Thank you, Greg. <laughs> but I think that's gonna wrap it up for Attack of the Clones tonight on Sky Talkers podcast. <laughs> This is a really great discussion. This is a little all over the place. Yeah. (laughs) And I had a lot of fun discussing it, though, because this movie, like, let's be honest, is a little bit all over the place. So, of Mm -hmm. course, our discussion is going to be all over the place. But you guys, you guys should go give Attack of the Clones another go around if it's not your favorite movie. And uh, I think playing Franklin's game will actually help a lot uh, for those of you who don't love this movie. So sarcastic or serious and just make everything sarcastic. And it's way more fun. It is way more fun. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But that is going to wrap up our episode. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at SkyTalkersPod, not podcast, like our Instagram, SkyTalkersPod. Or you can follow us individually at Crarity or at Caitlin Plusher. And then our Instagram, too, at SkyTalkersPodcast for pictures and all things related to our fandom. And don't forget, we're going to be at DragonCon this weekend. So you can check out our Instagram to see what we're up to there. Uh, I'm so excited. It's going to be great. And if you want to hear more and you want to support us, you can head on over to our Patreon page because we would be eternally grateful. Um, We have some really cool swag if you become a patron, too. Um, And we want to thank our patrons, Chuck, Emma, Amy, Ryan, and Dean. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for listening. And one last thing before we head out, we want to give a big shout out and thank you to those of you who have left us nice and kind and amazing reviews on iTunes. Uh, They really help our shows. If you haven't given us a review and you'd like to, we would really appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for listening. We have had a great time talking all about Attack of the Clones. And you know what's next? Revenge of the Sith, which is kind of like a cornerstone of Charlotte and I's friendship. So there might be some emotions on that episode. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So get ready. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, And with that... I'm going to say, may the force be with you. May the force be with you.
We hope you enjoyed this episode of Sky Talkers, This Galactic Life, part of the Assembly of Geeks podcasting network. Find the girls on skytalkers.com and we'll see you next time.